inching closer to President Biden's first news conference of his administration. Some 65 days in, he will finally answer questions from reporters in a formal setting. Now, Press Secretary Jen Psaki will say, hey, he has been answering questions from the press. Well, yeah, in, in little media scrums here and there. But as far as having a formal news conference, he is yet to do it. We're about a half an hour away, less than. It's about 24 minutes away. We will join that live when Joe Biden takes to the podium to discuss some major issues uh, going on. Uh, COVID is still very much a factor. Uh, We're not out of the woods yet on this. Still under a global pandemic. I think Bill Gates said something like life will get back to normal uh, by the end of 2022. Uh, that that seems that seems uh, pretty distant. Uh, I think we're going to start feeling normal here uh, as a nation of Jake fills in for Tony Katz on Tony Katz today. Uh, look, I'm not I'm not downplaying. I'm not going out a whole lot. I'm not going into big crowds. I did rejoin the gym yesterday, which I thought was a big step. And look, I'm not afraid of going out and, and getting things done. You know, I'll go to the Walmarts or the Home Depot and the grocery store. I'll go out. I'll be cautious. I don't go breathing in people's mouths. Uh, that said, I have avoided contracting COVID-19 for over a year now, and I feel pretty good about that. And every time I thought about getting back into the gym, I was like, you know what? Why don't I just put that off? I can get back in shape anytime. I'm still relatively young. I'll be okay. But then the other day, I, I was just I was feeling gross, just out of shape, weak. And I said, you know what? I'm just going to go to the gym. And I went to the gym. And man, look, I'm not going to brag, but I was in really good shape a year ago. And I was I was throwing up 225, 235 on bench. And I'm not a, I'm not a huge freaking guy. Uh, yesterday, oh man, I just tried to do just tried to do five sets with a plate. 135 didn't work out so well. I had to drop it down. So yeah, I'm uh, I'm out of shape, but hopefully going to get back into it. Hopefully you are able to get back to normal sooner than 2022, as Bill Gates predicts. Uh, look, I, I, I've not yet been vaccinated, but I think it's going to happen soon. Uh, I think that this vaccine, you know, whether it's the Pfizer, Moderna, uh, Johnson & Johnson, AstraZeneca, I think Pfizer is now working on some sort of tablet to take to combat COVID-19. Before you know it, everybody who wants to be vaccinated is going to be vaccinated. And you could say that Donald Trump had a lot to do with it. Operation Warp Speed, obviously a great success. Now, I'm looking for Joe Biden today in his news conference to blame Donald Trump for the botched handling of covid no, even though he's not the one who sent uh, elderly people into nursing homes like Andrew Cuomo did up in New York. I think we're on the one year anniversary of that deadly order. I believe it was Donald Trump who sent a, a vessel, a ship, a hospital ship up to New York to be used. And it wasn't. Uh, but but Andrew Cuomo somehow will survive that. He'll survive all this sexual harassment stuff. There is now a report that Andrew Cuomo used his power as governor of New York to get his family and friends access to the COVID vaccine early, including his brother, Chris Cuomo, who just happens to be on vacation during all this. 
I've always thought it was strange that Chris Cuomo was allowed on CNN to cover his brother so closely, interview his brother, especially in the COVID times. It's very, very odd. So uh, more bad stuff for Governor Cuomo of New York. But with regards to COVID, I think you're going to hear Joe Biden coming up at 1.30. I think he's going to tout his handling of COVID-19 in these 65 days of his president. He can say something effective. Uh, sure, there was a, there was a vaccine, uh, but we got to get people uh, to get the vaccine. So uh, Donald Trump may have may have uh, facilitated Operation Warp Speed, but but did he get Krispy Kreme to give free donuts to people who've been vaccinated? No, he did not. And that's what I did. And that's true. You can go to Krispy Kreme with your vaccination card, get a free donut, as many as you want. Each day you get a glazed donut. So that you know, good on you, Joe Biden. You didn't have anything to do with that. Uh, so yeah, he'll he'll probably uh, set some other. I think that now there's they in advance of his news conference. Uh, Joe Biden and his administration have set a goal of 200 million uh, doses of the vaccine administered within the first hundred days. Now that is a low bar. That we are going to blow past that by April 22nd. Now we're already at 130 million doses, and we're doing two and a half million per day. And so this whole set the expectations low and then beat them, I guess that's that's what you're supposed to do. You know, you under promise and over deliver. And so maybe Joe Biden is way smarter than we think. Maybe just not giving news conferences because maybe he's reading the room better than everybody else. Maybe he's saying, look, people are sick of the president being in their face all the time. And I'm I'm telling you, I, I was I was every day. Donald Trump, Donald Trump, every story on CNN.com, FoxNews.com, NBC.com, MSNBC.com, whatever the news, it was all about Donald Trump. He he just dominated the news cycle every day, and it was a catch-22. One fed the other. He would tweet something, and reporters would rush to write about what he tweeted, and then Jim Acosta would be there during a news conference to grandstand or, or scream if if questions weren't being taken. So it was just this toxic relationship with the media. Maybe Biden is playing his cards exactly right. Saying, look, people don't want to have the president on their mind 24-7. So if I can just duck out of the way, I'll, I'll, I'll actually do well. And he might be onto something. That, that was actually you know, a complaint that I saw you know, whether it was online, on Facebook, or on, on the Twitter, uh, some people, and this regular people, say, you know, I just, I just want to not have to worry about the president for a while. I just want to not have to uh, have that in my brain all the time. And, and I, I asked a question that I thought was, was one of, it's one of those, it's, it was largely rhetorical, but I kind of wanted to see what the response would be. I said, hey, have you ever just tried doing something else? And not worrying about the president, maybe filling your days with things that aren't Twitter or the news cycle or Facebook. Well, maybe go trade some Bitcoin, maybe 3D print some stuff. I don't know, maybe go hang out with your kids. Maybe go to a kid's soccer game. Maybe take on more responsibility in your life. Maybe, maybe coach your kid's soccer team. Just go live your life and not worry about what the media is feeding you. Because, yeah, look, images of kids in cages, pretty harrowing. You know, when the media is telling you 
this is awful. There's a policy of child separation, and we can't find the parents of these children. And look, they're wrapped in aluminum foil in cages. And you look at that, you go, oh, my God. They said, yeah, Donald Trump did this. He personally rounded up all these immigrant children and threw them in cages and said, hey, if you're cold, here's, here's some tinfoil. He, he didn't do that. In fact, that was going on before Donald Trump. But you would think, you would think that Donald Trump did that, that he ordered that children be round up and put into cages. So much so that Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, she, she took the opportunity to go down to the border for a photo shoot so she could yell at an empty parking lot. Yeah, you know that. And where is she right now? There are still kids in cages. Kids in cages. There are 16,000 of them. And 316 plus of them have COVID. And they are on top of each other in cages with those thermal blankets on, all looking like Jiffy Pop. And, and AOC is not taking any pictures screaming about it on the border. So yeah, it's... it's 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 very apparent to to me that the media is already handling things uh, very different than they did under Donald Trump. So uh, today will be pretty eye opening as to how they they face off with Joe Biden in a formal setting. You know, this is a guy who just he hasn't had time for a news conference. Reporters don't like that. They don't like that. They they want to have their egos stroked. They want to be called journalists, firefighters. They are so important, these journalists, but they're really just mining for for clicks and likes and uh, social engagement. So in addition to the COVID updates, we will hear about the border surge, uh, the aforementioned surge at the border, the uh, the kids in cages, so to speak. And also these uh, these mass shootings that have gone down in the, the past week or so. You had one in Atlanta where a massage parlor was was attacked. I believe uh, eight of 10 people uh, were Asians, and that that kind of uh, brings up this anti-Asian hate crime um, situation that we, we seem to have. I'm not going to dismiss it as a narrative, but just like with anything with mass shootings, you have to be wary of the cherry-picking that goes on. And it's really gross how they get covered. Uh, we'll get into that. You know, why is it every time there's a mass shooting... Everybody rushes to ask, whose man is this? As if the race or background of the shooter will somehow provide anyone any kind of uh, excuse or reason or to dismiss it. There, there's, there's no way people, real people, don't think that way. This is all, again, uh, media narratives that get woven together to, to rile you up. And to, and to keep you engaged and to keep you staring at that screen instead of doing things that really matter. So uh, in advance of the Biden presser, which could happen really at any time between uh, now and one uh, forty, uh, we will keep our eye on it. Uh, we will come back and we'll we'll get ready. We will prep for the Biden presser. Uh, how will it go down? Uh, we shall see. And, and also, you know, the way that the media will cover Biden, and then by extension the surge at the border and these mass shootings with regards to uh, gun control legislation that that may be addressed by President Biden. And that's all coming up uh, very soon right here on Tony Katz today. The podium is empty. 
President Biden has yet to take the floor. You know, we always get these conflicting start times on press conferences, whether it's uh, 1.30, 1.15. Uh, some stations' coverage begins at 1.15, and then they have to rap about uh, the room, the scene, you know, what to expect from President Joe Biden during his press conference. We will uh, be no different here on Tony Katz today with Nation of Jake in for Tony. Uh, right now, everybody's waiting for Joe Biden, who some people on Twitter, some outlets are saying that he's late, that he's late to his first news conference that he has put off for two months. Uh, but then again, it just depends on what start time you want to go with. So look, I wonder, there's a few things I wonder. How tightly controlled this will be today with Joe Biden's first news conference, which should start any minute here on Tony Katz today. Uh, will Joe Biden wear a mask during his news conference? Yeah, some reporters, depending on who the speaker is, will ask people to wear masks. Uh, today, there's a viral video of Senator Ted Cruz, who is addressing the television cameras. Uh, he's not wearing a mask. Uh, and here's an interaction from uh, some reporter, I guess, who was looking for his viral moment. Uh, yeah, when I'm talking to the TV camera, I'm not going to wear a mask. And all of us have been immunized. So uh, you're welcome to step away if you like. The whole, the whole point of a vaccine, CDC guidance is what we're following. All right. So I'm not sure how uh, good Ted Cruz's explanation is there about uh, being immunized and uh, that's the whole point of a vaccine. But but I do know that a reporter, as Ted Cruz is about to address television cameras, asking, oh, could you put a mask on, please? And Ted Cruz says, hey, look, I, I'm I'm speaking on television and I've, I'm, I'm, he's, he's looking around in this video saying, hey, we've been immunized. And he's kind of motioning as if to say that there's distance between us, that he's not going to wear a mask for for television. And then the response, if you didn't hear it from the reporter, was, well, it would make us all feel better. It's like, oh, oh, really? Well, you can step away. Take a, keep, keep your distance from me. Why is it on me where I have staked out this spot to do this TV hit or whatever it is that Ted Cruz is doing? Uh, why is it on him to make you feel better? Why don't you do what makes you feel more safe? You can wear your mask and maybe, maybe step away. Maybe take a few steps back. Maybe maintain the six feet of social distance that the CDC recommends. Uh, Ted Cruz claims that he's using CDC guidance when uh, addressing the camps. I wonder if Joe Biden will be treated by that reporter or another like him as Ted Cruz was treated today in, in this video that you will see online somewhere because the, these things always become headlines. <laughs> Every mundane, banal interaction between a reporter and some, it's always the firebrand lightning rod types. It always becomes like a, a, a headline and a story on some website. So I, I don't think anybody's going to uh, call out Joe Biden for not wearing, maybe he will wear a mask. Maybe he'll wear it hanging from his ear like I've seen him do before, which looks ridiculous. Like I'm, I'm sure, yeah, you hang it from your ear, you're mindful that it's there. It's all performative, though. He just wants to make sure you know he's got a mask and it's hanging from his ear. Uh, here, here comes Joe Biden to the podium. Uh, we will listen into his first news conference here, 65 days into his administration. Good afternoon. Before I take questions, I want to make give you a progress report to the nation on uh, 
on the, where we stand 65 days into office here on vaccinations and a few other top priorities for the American people. First, on vaccinations. On December 8th, I indicated that I hope to get 100 million shots in people's arms in my first 100 days. We met that goal last week by day 58, 42 days ahead of schedule. Now today I'm setting a second goal, and that is we will, by my 100th day in office, have administered 200 million shots in people's arms. That's right, 200 million shots in 100 days. I know it's ambitious, twice our original goal, but no other country in the world has even come close, not even close to what we are doing. I believe we can do it. And today, we made a historic investment in reaching the hardest hit and the most vulnerable communities, the highest risk communities. At, uh, as a consequence of the virus by investing an additional $10 billion in being able to reach them. I also set a goal before I uh, took office of getting a majority of schools in K through 8 fully open in the first 100 days. Now, thanks to the enormous amount of work done by our administration, Educators, parents, local, state education officials and leaders. Recent Department of Education survey shows that nearly half of the K through 8 schools are open now full-time, five days a week for in-person learning. Not yet a majority, but we're really close, and I believe in the 35 days left to go, we'll meet that goal as well. As of yesterday, <clears throat> more than 100 million payments all right, as we predicted, we would get an update on COVID. We will rejoin Joe Biden as he is just getting underway in his first news conference here with Nation of Jake on Tony Katz today. President Joe Biden has taken the podium in his first news conference of his administration, and we will join it here on Tony Katz today. Because I'm the nice guy. That's the reason why it's happening, that I'm a decent man or however it's phrased. That, you know, that's why they're coming, because, no, Biden's a good guy. Truth of the matter is, nothing has changed. As many people came, 28 percent increase in children to the border in my administration, 31 percent in the last year of in 2019 before the pandemic in the Trump administration. It happens every single solitary year. There is a significant increase in the number of people coming to the border in the winter months of January, February, March. It happens every year. In addition to that, there is a and nobody. And by the way, does anybody suggest that there was a 31 percent increase under Trump because he was a nice guy and he was doing good things at the border. That's not the reason they're coming. The reason they're coming is that it's the time they can travel with the least likelihood of dying on the way because of the heat in the desert. Number one. Number two, they're coming because of the circumstances in country, in country. The way to deal with this problem, and I started to deal with it back when I was United States Senator, I mean, uh, Vice President, for putting together a bipartisan plan of over $700 million to do the root causes of why people are leaving. What did Trump do? He eliminated that funding. 
He didn't use it. He didn't do it. And in addition to that, what he did, he dismantled all the elements that exist to deal with what had been a problem and, and has been continued to be a problem for a long time. He, in fact, shut down the, uh, the number of beds available. He did not fund HHS to get people to get the children out of those, those border patrol facilities where they should not be and not supposed to be more than a few days, a little while. But he dismantled all of that. So what we're doing now is attempting to rebuild, rebuild the system that can accommodate the, the, what is happening today. And I'd like to think it's because I'm a nice guy, but it's not. It's because of what's happened every year. Let me say one other thing on this. If you take a look at the number of people who are coming, the vast majority the overwhelming majority of people coming to the border and crossing are being sent back, are being sent back. Thousands, tens of thousands of people who are, who are over 18 years of age and single people, one at a time coming, have been sent back, sent home. We're sending back the vast majority of the families that are coming. We're trying to work out now with Mexico their w willingness to take more of those families back. But we, that, that's what's happening. They're not getting across the border. And those who are coming across the border who are unaccompanied children, we're moving rapidly to try to put in place what was dismantled, as I said. For example, of all the children who are coming across the border, over 70% are either 16 or 17 years old. We're not talking about people ripping babies from mother's arms or little three-year-olds standing on the border. Less than, I think, it's one and a half percent fall in the category of the very young. So what we're doing is we're providing for the space, again, to be able to get these kids out of the Border Patrol facilities, which no child, no one should be in any longer than 72 hours. And today, I went to, for example, I used all the resources available to me, went to the Defense Department, and, and the, the Secretary of Defense has just made available Fort Bliss, 5,000 beds be immediately available, 5,000 beds in the Texas border. So we're building back up the capacity that should have been maintained and built upon that Trump dismantled. It's going to take time. And the other thing we're doing, I might add, am I giving you too long an answer? Because if you don't want the detail. No, no, but I mean, I, I don't know how much detail you want about immigration. Maybe I'll stop there and finish. My, my follow-up question is, um, one, if you could talk a little bit about which families, why they're being allowed to stay, what the families that are being allowed to stay, why they're being allowed to stay. In addition to that, when it comes to the filibuster, which is what Zeke was asking about, there's immigration is, is a big issue, of course, with, when it related to the filibuster, but there's also Republicans who are passing bill after bill trying to restrict voting rights. Chuck Schumer is calling it an, an existential threat to democracy. Why not back a filibuster rule that at least gets around issues including voting rights or immigration? Jim Clyburn, someone, of course, who you know very well, um, has backed the idea of a filibuster rule when it comes to civil rights and voting rights. Well, look, um, I'm going to deal with all of those problems. The question is, the priorities as they come and land on my plate. Let's go to the first question you asked. 
the, the first of the second questions you asked, and that is, what about dealing with families? Why are not some not going back? Because Mexico is refusing to take them back. They're saying they won't take them back, not all of them. We're in negotiations with the president of Mexico. I think we're going to see that change. They should all be going back, all be going back. The only people we're not going to let sitting there on the other side of the Rio Grande by themselves with no help are children. And what we're doing there, and it's an important point to understand. I know you understand it. I don't mean to say it that way. Important point to focus on. The vast majority of people under the age of 18 coming to the United States come with a telephone number on, the, on a wristband or come with a telephone number in their pocket in the United States, a mother, a father, a close relative, a grandma or grandpa. What was happening before is it's taking literally weeks and weeks and maybe even months before anybody pick up the phone and call to see if there really was someone there. Well, we've set up a system now where within 24 hours, there's a phone call made as that person, that child crosses the border. And then a verification system being put in place as, as of today to determine quickly whether or not that is a trafficker being called or that is actually a mom, a dad and or a close relative. They're establishing that right off the bat. If it in fact is mom or dad, Dad says, to take the extreme case, I got a birth certificate. Then guess what? We're getting that kid directly to that parent immediately. And so that's going to reduce significantly. There's two ways to reduce child populations in circumstances that are not acceptable, like being held at a Border Patrol station. One is to get them to the place where they have a relative and set a date as to when a hearing can be held. The second way to do it is put them in a, a health and human services facility that we're occupying now, both licensed beds around the country that exist, as well as, for example, federal resources like Fort Bliss to get them safely in a place where they can be taken care of while their fate is determined. Filibuster. So filibuster. Um, you know, with regard to the filibuster, I believe we should go back to a position of the filibuster that existed just when I came to the United States Senate 120 years ago. Um, and that is that it used to be required for the filibuster. And I, I had a card on this. I was going to give you the statistics, but you probably know them. Uh, that it used to be that uh, the, that well, from between 1917 and 1971, the filibuster existed. There were a total of 58 motions to break a filibuster that whole time. Last year alone, there were five times that many. So it's being abused in a gigantic way. And for example, it used to be you had to stand there and talk and talk and talk and talk until you collapsed. And guess what? People got tired of talking and tired of collapsing. Filibusters broke down and we were able to break the filibuster, get a quorum and vote. So I strongly support moving in that direction. In addition to having an open mind about dealing with certain things that are, are just elemental to the functioning of our democracy, like the right to vote like the basic right to vote. We've amended the filibuster in the past. But here's the deal. 
as you observed, I'm a fairly practical guy. I want to get things done. I want to get them done consistent with what we promised the American people. And in order to do that, in a 50-50 Senate, we've got to get to the place where I get 50 votes so that the Vice President of the United States can break the tie, or I get 51 votes without her. And so I'm going to say something outrageous. I have never been particularly poor at calculating how to get things done in the United States Senate. So the best way to get something done, if you, if it holds near and dear to you that you uh, um, like to be able to, anyway, I, I, we're going to get a lot done. And if we have to, if there's complete lockdown and chaos as a consequence of the filibuster, then we'll have to go beyond what I'm talking about. Okay, um, hang on. Uh, sorry. Oh, Sing Ming, Ms. Kim. Thank you, Mr. President. Um, to follow up on the filibuster, so do you believe it should take 60 votes to end a filibuster on legislation or 51? <laughs> if we could end it with 51, we would have no problem. You're going to have to, the existing rule, uh, it's going to be hard to get a parliamentary ruling that allows 50 votes to end the filibuster, the, the existence of a filibuster. Um, but um, it's not my expertise in what the parliamentary rules and how to get there are, but our preoccupation with the filibuster is totally legitimate. But in the meantime, we got a lot we can do while we're talking about what we're going to do about the filibuster. Um, let me get here. Okay. Uh, um, Cecilia Vega. I'd like to circle back to immigration, please. Uh, you, you just listed the reasons that people are coming, uh, talking about in-country problems, saying that it happens every year. You blamed the last administration. Sir, I just got back last night from a reporting trip to the border where I met nine-year-old Joseph, who walked here from Honduras by himself, uh, along with another little boy. He had that Astounding. phone number on him, and we were able to call his family. His mother says that she sent her son to this country because she believes that you are not deporting unaccompanied minors like her son. That's why she sent him alone from Honduras. So, sir, you blame the last administration, but is your messaging in saying that these children are and will be allowed to stay in this country and work their way through this process, encouraging families like Joseph's to come? Well, look. The idea that I'm going to say, which I would never do, that if an unaccompanied child ends up at the border, we're just going to let him starve to death and stay on the other side. No previous administration did that either, except Trump. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. That's why I've asked the Vice President of the United States yesterday to be the lead person on dealing with focusing on the fundamental reasons why people leave Honduras, Guatemala, El Salvador in the first place. It's because of earthquakes, floods. It's because of lack of food. It's because of gang violence. It's because of a whole range of things 
that when I was vice president had the same obligation to deal with unaccompanied children, I was able to get it slowed up significantly by working with the heads of state of those communities to do things like in one of the major cities, the reason people were leaving is they couldn't walk the street because they were getting their kids were getting beat up or shot or gang violence. Well, what I was able to do is not give money to the head of state because so many are corrupt. But I was able to say, okay, you need lighting in the streets to change things. I'll put the lighting in. We got a contractor. We got the type of lighting. We paid directly to the contractor, did not go through the government. And violent crime significantly was reduced in that city. Fewer people sought to leave. When this hurricane occurred. All right, thank you, President Biden. After a couple of hard-hitting non-questions, we were just getting to some accountability. We will possibly rejoin the press conference. If it goes on, it'll be going on until uh, this show is is done at 3 p.m. We, we will dip back into it, and I'll address some of the things Joe Biden was talking about with regards to immigration and the Trump administration, and we'll do all that coming up right here on Tony Katz Today. Nation of Jake in for Tony Katz on Tony Katz today. We got to listen to a little bit of the Joe Biden news conference, the first of his administration here on the 65th day. Guy waits over two months to have a news conference. And all we really got to hear were a couple of questions that were thinly veiled endorsements for eliminating the filibuster in the Senate where Joe Biden no longer resides. And then some uh, loaded and mischaracterized statements about immigration under Donald Trump and now under Joe Biden. I believe it was uh, PBS's Yamichi Alcindor who started asking questions. So are are people coming to the border just because you're such a great and wonderful guy and you're just such a nice guy and you're a decent human? You're such a decent human. Is that is that part of the problem? Is that you're just too decent a human No, here's the real answer that none of those reporters would really uh, say is, are people coming to the border now in mass because they know that you are a coward and will not enforce the laws? And then he, uh, Joe Biden, went, of course, as I predicted, would blame Donald Trump for the problem at the border. He says it's seasonal. Oh, they come here every year around this time and it's just as bad as it's ever been. And in fact, it's it's getting better because we have to rebuild everything that Donald Trump tore down. And it, that, that's not really true at all. Donald Trump allowed Border Patrol and ICE to do their jobs. They were building a wall. They were empowered to enforce our borders. And that's why the problem subsided. It, it wasn't. Donald Trump was not leaving children out to starve on the other side of the wall. Those things didn't happen. Those are all gross mischaracterizations of the border surge from a couple of years ago versus today. It wasn't until that third question we got from Miss Vega about, yeah, people really believe in Honduras that you're not going to send their children home. That's why they're coming here. It's because you won't enforce the law. We'll get into a little bit more of it if we can stomach it. That thing set, it seemed like three days, didn't it? We'll do that and a whole lot more coming up with Nation of Jake on Tony Katz today.